0: Sometimes, you meet a person who makes such a lasting impression on you, they cannot easily be forgotten.
1: My name is Cecil Williams. I am a native of Orangeburg, lived here all my life, went to the public schools. And even when I uh, went to college, Claflin University here in Orangeburg is my alma mater.
0: Cecil was born in 1937. In his early childhood, he realized quickly that the world he lived in was often unforgiving.
1: Given the time and day, you might say that I am a child of segregation. This was difficult for me to understand, but my mother being a school teacher, of course, I got many, many lessons about what this was all about.
0: One day, Cecil's brother gifted him something that would change his life forever. He gave him a camera.
1: So at nine years old, I became fascinated with what I called that little magic box. I bugged my family all around the household. I took them when they didn't want to be photographed, eating breakfast or getting dressed.
0: Cecil would go on to see larger achievements.
1: But the greatest thrill was at 18 when I actually become a paid correspondent for Jet Magazine, being South Carolina Jet Magazine photographer, which case I was able to travel beyond the city limits of Orangeburg and into other communities, but almost rarely ever out of the state of South Carolina.
0: Discover South Carolina presents The Palmetto Porch, a podcast featuring the state's most charming places, some you may not have heard of. I'm Devin Whitmire. All season long, we'll hear locals share their unique experiences and passions, and their perspectives on where they live. Lying just off the beaten path, these small town destinations are full of culture, fun, and adventure. Did you ever think that your work and what you were doing was going to be seen by people all over the world?
1: Never did it occur to me that through the magic of photography, the images that I was taking would be viewed by many, many more people outside of my own family, outside the environment. But one of the photographs I remember that appeared by way of the Associated Press was a photograph that went around the world. Of course, that was very thrilling. And then to get a big check for taking a photograph that was printed in the newspapers around the world was also very thrilling. And then to take photographs also sometimes for like Newsweek and other publications at the time.
0: There's one particular photo Cecil is famous for. But get this, he wasn't the one who took it. He was the subject of the photo.
1: The water fountain photograph with me drinking out of what was a white-only water fountain happened when I was about 18 years old. I was coming back from an assignment for Jet Magazine, and between Orangeburg and Walterboro on Highway 21, I got thirsty. And during those days, you cannot go into a store and readily buy water from where the other drinks were available. So my friend and I, Rendell Harper, we stopped at this filling station. I got out, left the door of my car open, and I started drinking out of the water fountain. Rundle Harper, sensing that this might be a good moment to capture, he aimed the camera, first out of the window of the car and then he got out and photographed me and then uh, as i got back into my seat in the car rindle got out and he drank some of the water too my mother found out about it she was very very mad there was not a law against drinking out of a white water fountain at the time but there were customs and traditions in the south that i was violating at that time so this could have potentially been a very dangerous moment but the people at the station, they viewed it. I think they looked at it, and they couldn't quite believe what was going on.
0: Talking to Cecil, I can tell he was bold, sharp, and good at his job. But it was a job that came with plenty of risks.
1: I went to jail twice, so I'm a jailbird. But it was for a freedom and justice. In photographing demonstrations in downtown Orangeburg on two occasions, one of the occasions I was arrested by a South Carolina highway patrolman, and placed in their patrol car, then taken to jail. And then in about an hour later, bailed out of jail. And then another time being arrested by the city police. So sometimes there was a element of danger in what I was doing.
0: I was curious about Cecil's decision to stay in Orangeburg. He had a lot of talent, and I'm sure many people working at his level would leave South Carolina. But when you talk to him, you can hear the love he has for his home.
1: We have wonderful opportunities to to do this. And there are many stories here to be told. This is such a beautiful state. We have everything in South Carolina that even a state like California has. We have the mountains. We have the Atlantic Ocean. We have the Midlands. We have historic places like Charleston and Beaufort and Georgetown, and of course, Columbia our Capital City, and Greenville, where industry has, um, again, shown its uh, face with BMW and other industry giants. So often people ask me, well, how come you stay in South Carolina? I don't think that there's another place in the nation I would want to live other than where I am now in South Carolina.
0: Absolutely. So I want to switch gears and talk a little bit about the museum. How did the idea for the museum come about?
1: Well, the Civil Rights Movement of America was a very pivotal point in history. It was a time when, by way of the Brown versus Board of Education case, which was decided upon on May 17th, 1954, declaring that segregation in public education is unconstitutional, that changed everything. It turns out that, fast forward to the 20th century, that among the 16 southern states, South Carolina is the only state that does not have a civil rights museum. And after about 35 years, and looking back at the photographs that I had taken, thousands upon thousands of images I had captured, the artifacts that I had gathered My wife, my sister, and I decided that if this was going to be done, somebody had to do it and maybe that someone was me or us. So with about $60,000 and having a house that I used for my studio, but my wife and I had moved next door, in 2019, we launched a civil rights museum.
0: I want to emphasize how huge this is someone starting a museum on their own. It's a great undertaking even with a lot of resources.
1: Ever mindful that museums cost millions of dollars, and we certainly did not have, and $60,000 was a long way from even a million dollars. Nevertheless, sometimes in life there's a little voice that kind of tells you things to do. Most of the time it speaks about things that are right, things that are justified. So it is very gratifying to look back that sometimes if you listen to what's really inside your heart, it is trying to lead you towards righteousness. And I believe that's why the museum that we founded in Orangeburg, the first one in the state of South Carolina that depicts the images, the artifacts, the documents of that period of time, time in history when ordinary people from small towns, some of you which you have never heard of, got tired of the way they were being treated and the way their children were subjected to poor educational opportunities. And they struck out against these injustices and changed the Constitution. And I came of age as a young man growing up, witnessing all this, and it was not gonna be bearable To not find some way to place the images that I had taken in a way that others could see them. And we could pay tribute and honor those people who made such great sacrifices and on whose shoulders we today stand on. So that's what it meant to me to start a museum.
0: And start it he did. The Cecil Williams South Carolina Civil Rights Museum was opened in 2019. The crux of the museum is Cecil's body of work. But he says, while the materials were there, he still needed help from people with the right experience.
1: So having all this history in my archives, it gave me a good start. But it's no easy task to do a museum. It's something that takes a lot of interpretation, preparation, building exhibits, researching history, and far beyond my experiences. But through a lot of friends, and then also putting on our nonprofit board the best historians in the state of South Carolina, both black and white, by the way. Dr. Vernon Burton, for example, of Clemson University, a Lincoln scholar. Dr. Bobby Donaldson of the University of South Carolina, a very distinguished historian. Dr. William Hines, formerly a South Carolina State University professor. Dr. Roy Jones, again from Clemson University people like that serve on our board with their guidance and advice, we were able to carve out what I think is a once in a lifetime experience that a person can have by going through our museum here in Orangeburg. And that's what we're trying to do. And that's what makes us work every day to make this possible.
0: What can visitors expect during their first time touring the museum?
1: Visitors coming into our museum, they would expect a museum that is chronologically arranged and a walk through history. The civil rights movement period that we cover is 1950 to 1970. We don't go too much out of that. In a few instances, we do, but we stay within the confines of that. And I believe Using that as the period that we have defined our museum, we can do the most rather than spread ourselves so thin with trying to capture other times in history. Each time you go out of that category, it gets more expensive to get artifacts and documents and so forth to support what you're trying to display. But we covered 1950 to 1970, the period of the Civil Rights Movement. Individuals would see chronologically arranged photographs, Documents, original documents, by the way, and original artifacts, they would be able to walk through this history.
0: Within the museum, visitors can learn about notable people and moments, not just in U.S. history, but South Carolina history too.
1: Of course, the Briggs versus Elliott, that first case in Clarendon County. And then we move on up to events like the event in Columbia, South Carolina, known as the Edwards March the edwards demonstration is what i was trying to think about and that was about 1960 i believe that that happened then we move on to the event called the orangeburg massacre where three students were killed and others were injured while trying to integrate a bowling lanes here in orangeburg highway patrolmen loaded their weapons with double arch shotgun shells and around 9:30 that evening on the campus of south carolina state university towards the end of the museum exhibits you would come to one of the last events of the civil rights movement period the Charleston Hospital workers strike when African-American workers who were employed by the hospital systems in Charleston only paid African-American workers half the wages that others received after a hundred days of marching and demonstrating that the hospitals and the city of Charleston gave in to the demands of the demonstrators, and all individuals who worked were paid the same as everyone else. Everyone was paid equally.
0: The Edwards demonstrations, labor strikes, even racially motivated violence taking place in Orangeburg itself. These events are emotionally charged and painful, but Cecil says they are important to remember.
1: These are very tiring times in America where we had moved, transformed from a period of segregation. But the journey really is not complete yet. We cannot legislate what's in the hearts of individuals. But we are hoping a museum like what we have in Orangeburg will help all people, black and white, and others, to really understand the history of where we have come from.
0: You mentioned earlier about South Carolina and how much you love it. And I'd love to hear... In addition to visiting the museum, what should people and visitors do when they come to Orangeburg? What do you like to do that you would like to share with them?
1: So you would find in Orangeburg many places and businesses that would cater just about to anyone's needs. One of my favorite places is the Chestnut Grill. But there are other places in Orangeburg to visit as well. For example, we have the very famous Edisto Gardens here. Edisto Gardens is where you see these beautiful sometimes one-of-a-kind, special variety of roses. So we have a rose garden exhibit at our Edisto Gardens. During the winter months, it does not transform into the beauty that it does other parts of the year. Then we have, of course, the two HBCUs, South Carolina State University, the beautiful campus they have, and then the magnificent Calafin University, which itself is a delight to see, to see how this private institution, the oldest HBCU in the state of South Carolina, and what it contributes to Orangeburg and the given area. The students at Claflin and State make up the vibrancy of the city of Orangeburg. They are the lifeblood of this community.
0: I asked Cecil about the future of the museum.
1: Shortly, and by that I mean maybe a year to two, we will be in another business location in downtown Orangeburg at the Railroad Corner. So the city and the county have joined together to offer that place where we will be able to our place our exhibit now, which is housed in a 3,200-square-foot building. We will be in a facility that is three times larger.
0: Before we left, Cecil told me his thoughts about the work he's done and what people can learn from the experience he's built in Orangeburg.
1: If you don't know your history and where you come from, it's difficult to have a foundation to start to go where you need to go. So if they, anyone believes that history is not relevant, they are wrong. History does matter. It does have a place.
0: Cecil Williams, photographer, visual storyteller. He made history without even leaving the town that raised him. This season, we've spoken with a lot of people who left home and then found their way back. But talking to Cecil made me understand the important things taking place in front of us all the time. It's crucial to have eyes to witness it, voices to speak to it, and people like Cecil to remember it. That is it for this episode of The Palmetto Porch. Thank you, thank you to our guest, Cecil Williams. If you like what you heard, share it with a friend and leave a review on your platform of choice. It really helps us to get the word out. And to learn more about Orangeburg, the South Carolina Civil Rights Museum, or anything that you heard about on our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com. The Palmetto Porch is produced by Discover South Carolina in partnership with Pod People. Special thanks to our production team at Pod People, Samantha Durge, Michael Aquino, and Kim Wong. We'll see you next time. Take care, y'all.